It's Black History Month, and one way that Derek Mosley celebrates is by posting a new fact or story every day to not only educate others, but also bring more black achievements throughout history to light. He joins me now to highlight a couple of these stories. Derek, welcome back to Lake Effect. It's so good to be here. So good to see your face. Happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month. I'm very excited. Absolutely. And we get an extra day. We do. So to celebrate, we're going to talk about a couple of topics of note that are, you know, generally of service, things that have helped us in the past uh, and continue to have an influence on us today. So to start, we're going to kick things off with the fire pole. Yeah. People might not think about this unless maybe since a class field trip that they had in <laughs> grade school. <laughs> How does it connect with black history? Yeah. So uh, we're going to take you to Chicago, 90 miles south. There was a firehouse. It's the 1800s. So it's a firehouse um, number 21 in Chicago. There's a captain of that firehouse by the name of David Kenyon. And um, the way firehouses were laid out back then on the bottom floor was the wagon and horses because it was horse-drawn. Second floor was sleeping arrangements, and third floor were the hay for the horses. So they used to have regular stairs, and the horses are smart, and so the horses would walk up the stairs and eat the hay. So (laughs) they decided to remove the walk-up stairs and make a spiral staircase because horses are smart but not that smart. And so they had a spiral staircase, but not knowing that having a spiral staircase and also at night makes it really slow because the sleeping quarters are on the top level. So when a fire happened, the firefighters would run down the spiral staircase and get on the horses and take off. Well, um, one of the battalions, number 21, the fire battalion, um, was always getting to the fires first. And the way it worked in the 1800s is the first team on the scene got paid. Mm. Everybody else did not get paid. Competitive incentive. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, this firehouse 21 was at all the fires, no matter where they were, before everybody else. So the chief decided he would check and see what happened. And. They got called out to a fire. He went into the house, and he noticed that the they had removed the spiral staircase and had put in this wooden pole. Just a, It was a wooden pole that they used to move the hay on the top level, and they just uh, lacquered it up, and they would slide down from their beds right down to the bottom, get out, and be the first to the uh, fire, making all the money. And so once he saw that, he realized that it was a pretty good idea, and that was the birth of the fire pole. We can thank Captain David Kenyon for that. Absolutely. And then, of course, Boston made it brass, and then the brass poles there. And now they don't really use them anymore, but um, it's still a, a nice little piece of history that came from black history. Yeah, and I think it's still a quintessential image we think of when we think of firehouses. Yeah, yeah. And, and now they're building firehouses all on one level because you don't need to store hay anymore. And so they don't need really a fire pole, but they still have them in the houses because, you know, kids like to see them. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to go forward in history a bit. So we're going to go from the 1870s to about 1945. The U.S. is in World War II for about four years at this point. And we are going to talk about the 6888 Postal Directory Battalion. Yeah, so the 6888th um, was their official term, and they were the Postal Directory Battalion, as you mentioned. And so let's just set the stage for a minute. So it's the war. And soldiers are dispatched all over Europe, and they're traveling to different cities, different places. But people are still mailing them things like cards and cookies and cakes and things of that nature. But because of the fact, the transitory nature of the soldiers, they weren't at the same place at all at the same time. So they had these warehouses that were just full of mail. I mean, when I say full, if you Google, you know, the mail houses, you'll see these these bags of sacks and sacks, sacks and sacks of mail in these warehouses. Big hangers too. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And they put big ships in them, and now have mail in it. And so they decided to start this unit, the sixty-eight eighty-eight, or as you mentioned, the six triple eights. And it was a predominantly black because sometimes you see it. It says all black. There were uh, two Latinas in the unit, so it's predominantly black, but all women of color. 
um, unit, the first only that was deployed to Europe to take care of that backlog. And so they were shipped off to Birmingham, England. They got into the warehouses. The warehouses didn't have heat. It was the winter. They were dimly lit. They were fighting off rats and uh, roaches and all these other things. That... Plus that threat of air raids all Oh, yeah. The time. Never mind yeah. the fact that bombs are being <laughs> dropped on you. But, of course, I go right to the rats and roaches. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, in, in hospitable it's working conditions. It's inhospitable, right. Yeah. And so they decided they would split up into uh, three uh, units. And those three shifts, I should say, would process this mail. Each shift would process about 65,000 pieces of mail each shift. And they would run them. And what's so crazy about this is they were they would catalog everybody's name and their serial numbers. And so when they cataloged those names, there were like over 7,000 Robert Smiths, right? So you have all these Robert Smiths. You have all this mail. You have to make sure the right Robert Smith gets it. And they they uh, categorized all these people, all their mail, to make sure those mail the mail went out. They had this cool motto, no mail, low morale. And they kept saying that to themselves, no mail, low morale. And um, they took care of that. Backlog, uh, 17 million pieces of so mail much. they process. And uh, the government was anticipating that this problem with this unit could be fixed in about six months, but it only took them three. Three months, and he knocked it out. And, you know, it's almost so good that they then they send them off to France to do the same exact thing. You know? no, yeah, no, almost no, too good. Too like, good. <laughs> <laughs> they even created, as you mentioned, that uh, created a new tracking system that made this uh, new method and their, their unit so efficient. Yeah, and, you know what's also wild about it is the fact that they didn't have any guns. They weren't issued weapons. And so you have these women who are essentially soldiers. They've been trained as soldiers, and they're in these uh, warehouses, and they're processing this mail, and all they have to defend themselves is what they learned in uh, basic training, the karate or jujitsu they learned in basic training. And um, as you mentioned, about 7 million pieces of mail sorted. Uh, they were under the command of Major Charity Adams. Yes. I give her a shout-out. Shout her out. Yes. As the first commissioned uh Officer ever in the uh, military. Yep. Yeah. And um, how many women were approximately in this unit? So there were 855 women who were part of the unit. And I think it's worth noting, um, Audrey, that after the, the war was over or their service was over, they were sent back home and the unit was just disbanded. There's no recognition, uh, no medals. They were just disbanded. And it wasn't really until recently that people were made aware of them. Um, but there are 855 women, I told you, made up of both black and uh, Latinas. And they processed all that mail with very little fanfare. And if you ever have an opportunity to see them on the Internet, because of the 855, there's only four who are still remaining. Um, and you could see them sometimes. You, if you pull up a YouTube video. You could talk to uh, not talk to them, but listen to them talk. And they just felt like a sense of pride to get this done because it was a time of, you know, the time in history, a lot of division between the races. And a lot of people didn't think that blacks were up to the task. And so they felt like they had the whole race on their backs trying to perform this. So they couldn't fail. And so it's, they're great stories. And it's a little local twist to this as well, because um, we do have one member of the six triple eights here in Milwaukee, Anna Mae Robertson, who is the sweetest but she's fiery, but she's sweet. Uh, you got she's to meet a, her? I did get to meet her. So, um, what was that like? Oh, it was amazing. It. it was amazing. So what happened is, I, you know, I do those uh, Facebook posts every February, one post a, um, a day for Black History Month. And her sister reached out to me because she saw the post on social media. And she said, I can't believe that you did this. This is so amazing. And my mom was one of these uh, women. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I have to meet her. I have to meet her. And, you know, it was right after COVID had happened. And so... She says, well, we're having um, a birthday party for her. She was turning 98. 
and uh, her um, the mayor was coming to give her like a make it anime Robertson Day or whatever it was, sure. and so they asked me if I wanted to come, and of course, and so I I went and I got to meet her, and she is absolutely amazing. You would never know, you know, talking to her, what they accomplished. Um, because, you know, you had to make sure the soldiers knew what they were fighting for. You know, you have these young kids who had probably never left the state they were from. Now they're in a different country with in names of towns they probably couldn't even pronounce. And so home meant a lot. So if you could bring home to them, uh, bring food to them, things that they remembered, it, it's for morale. And so she said that's all they thought about is the soldiers and she is amazing, and she turns 100 in March, which is Happy pretty early amazing. Happy early birthday yes. to Anna Anna May. Um, and it was so funny. Over Christmas, I got a Christmas card, and I opened up the Christmas card, and she had copied her—because they received a commendation just recently um, in 2022. And yeah, in March. In March. 2022. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the president—and uh, shout-out to Gwen Moore, because it was Gwen Moore who was the one to let everybody know that these— women existed and one was here in Milwaukee. And when she got the commendation, she sent me an invitation to the commendation as well as a copy of it, like a photocopy of it. It was, And I opened up in a Christmas card and I'm like, oh my goodness. And she signed it. And, you know, for me, this means so much because I follow black history a lot. And so um, I, I'm sure my family hates it. Like my kids probably hate <laughs> it. But, you know, our vacations aren't like to cool places. Our vacations are historical like sites. historical sites. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and so um, it just meant a lot to have a piece of history and to actually touch and talk to people because a lot of our heroes, and I mean our, I mean American heroes of African descent aren't around anymore. And so it's important uh, that we give them their flowers while they're alive. Yeah, we see, as you mentioned, these historical images of accomplishments made in the past, but uh, we need to take a a look and remember it's not that long ago. No, it really isn't that long ago because we have a, a woman who's still alive, who was part of the World War II fight. And when they came home, they still fought discrimination, right? So you're fighting against um, tyranny abroad to come home to be treated like a second-class citizen. But they did it with pride, and and their service was with pride. And I have so much love and respect for Anna Mae and all of the 6 Yeah, much thanks to Anna Mae and the 6 And Derek, thank you so much, as always, for coming in to share your history. We love it. My pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to come and tell these stories. Derek Mosley is the director of the Marquette University Law School's Lubar Center for Public Policy Research and Civic Education. You can explore our past conversations with him, including one about the legacy of the Buffalo Soldiers, who are our nation's first park rangers, at wuwm.com.